Hi there everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Horror Crypt Podcast. Now, this week's episode is going to be a little bit different. This one, we're going to start off with our normal situation, which is our normal introduction music. And then after that, we're going to follow directly with the uh, movie trailer, because this is going to be in conjunction with the very first video podcast that the horror crypt is going into with youtube now i know what people are saying oh my god we're going to go to youtube and we're not going to have the regular podcast no we are having the regular podcast what's going to happen is that you're going to be hearing the podcast as it's being recorded through youtube and basically once a month as i've told you before um and if you are new to this i'll just let you know once a month we're going to have a horror crypt podcast that's going to be directly into youtube so you can actually watch me do a video podcast, but the audio will always be uploaded to your favorite area of wherever you listen to podcasts. So as I said, we're going to have the normal introduction, regular music that we're going to start off with, and then we're going to go straight into the movie trailer of this week's episode, and then you're going to hear my radiant voice um, that is going to be broadcast through YouTube. And as I said, if you want to, once a week, you can, sorry, once a week, once a month, you can come to uh YouTube, look up the Horror Crypt podcast under YouTube and you can watch me do my thing. And there you can like, you can also subscribe and you can send me direct messages in the comments section. Remember, you can also send me a direct message at horrorcrypt2022 at gmail.com and you can follow me at Facebook at horrorcryptoz. So in saying that, I think we should get into this week's episode. But first, let's have the introduction music. What an excellent day for an exorcism. I understand all right. You're one of the undead, and I'm a werewolf. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. Hey, Nancy. No running in the hallway. In the rolling hills of eastern Pennsylvania, in this quiet community of simple farmers, untouched by time, a gruesome secret has been protected for generations. Into this world come three young women, drawn by the beauty of the land, unaware of the mystery it holds. How could they have known that what they would discover would call forth a deadly blessing? cannot crush the incubus. Ours can. There are three of us. We'll manage. We shall make it impossible for the incubus to rest comfortably in your soul. If thine hand offends thee, then in God's name, cut it off. Chilling story. 
suspense. Deadly Blessing. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to this edition of the Horror Crypt Podcast. And yes, I am here on YouTube. My God, I never thought it would actually happen. But yes, I decided to make it a little bit more exciting just to have a bit of a different sort of podcast. And I am now officially on YouTube with this awesome background. Look at this, the Horror Crypt there. And we got the Amityville House there and Michael and obviously the Cenobites. So I want to thank very much, want to thank um, Create Your Change, the company that actually designed all this for me. It was absolutely awesome that they did this. And so a big shout out to them. If you want to get onto their website, um, Create Your Change, everything to do with podcasting, everything to do with social media, everything to do with internet security, you can go there and basically look uh, at theirs and they can give you a, a helping hand this week. Oh my God, this week we are going to be doing a movie that is basically, looking at the um, synopsis of this movie, it's 100 minutes, it was released on August the 14th, 1981, and it is 100 minutes of just head scratching. I mean, I was really, really excited when I first saw the, um, the trailer of this movie, I thought, yeah, this is really quite a good uh, good trailer. And I tell you what, if you are interested in seeing the trailer, go on to here, YouTube, and type in this movie, that one. That is what, oh, let's see if we can get there, there. That is what we are doing today, Deadly Blessing. Now, this is, as I said, 100 minutes of just mind-scratching and head-scratching of what the hell did I witness? If you want to see the trailer, there are two trailers. There's a longer one and there's a, like a 30 to 40 second one. I would go and do that one because that one was very interesting to watch. And that was the one that actually originally captured me enough to actually watch this movie. Now I've seen this movie twice, two times, and I still don't understand it. <laughs> and I'm very intelligent. I think I'm very intelligent. Uh, I'm doing this podcast, so hey, why not? But I think I'm very intelligent in, in enough to actually try and understand this, and I do get snippets of it, but there are still some head-scratching ideas about this movie that I'm like, okay, <laughs> whatever, that's, that's no dramas. So this is actually Sharon Stone's, one of her earliest roles, and she is not... Um, she's not gotten into her voice yet. Like she's still got the, I mean, I know she's young and I know our voices change over time, but she's got this, the little mousy sort of like voice. So it's like, okay, mousy little voice. We'll go with it. That, that's fine. But she just, it's interesting that she became a Hollywood um, actress. <laughs> I look, I can't act myself my way out of a brown paper bag. So I can't say anything like that. But the fact is that when I saw her in this movie, I'm like, wow, she actually ended up by having a movie career she's not her screen presence is not very domineering and i know it was only a supporting role i do understand that but um yeah ernest borgnine uh awesome actor he just overshot the mark unfortunately with this movie he just went way way over the top this was actually done by wes craven and the film tells the story of a strange figure committing murder in a contemporary community that is not far from another community that believes in ancient evils and curses. So you can sort of understand, you can sort of see where we're going with this movie. But uh, yeah, the, the theatrical poster, which is uh, that one right there, uh, awesome theatrical poster, but it's 
it's just yeah i i no i don't understand it anyway um the budget was 2.5 to 3 million dollars the actual box office was 8.3 million and that was in the us doesn't really say exactly where we were in the um movie rentals at the home theater or at you know all around the world but yeah 8.3 million in the us so that's i guess that's not bad but you know, we're going to go with this one. The movie opens up where we see Jim and Martha. Um, they live on an isolated farm named Our Blessing, which is a rather nice name for um, a homestead. And it's been found out that they're close to a population of Hittites. Now, it's interesting that a couple of people said that the Hittites may basically look like the Amish, uh, make them look like they're in the middle of an orgy. <laughs> which is interesting but we start off with the movie where jim is um on his tractor and he's plowing the fields now on the opposite field we've got um the hittites now obviously we know that the hittites are back in the buggy and and horse and wagon sort of days and they don't uh, associate with new technology so they don't do anything like that so you know we've got that scenario where you know there's a couple of people looking over at jim and we find out that jim's been exiled from the community because he was originally a Hittite and he was sent away to, well, he wasn't sent away. He wanted to go to college. He went away to college and found a wife, married. And of course, she wanted to live in the newer community. He still had the farm and he was basically exiled from the Hittites uh, by his family. So we've got that scenario. And uh, then we also get um, exposed to a, a young girl by the name of Faith. And Faith is just painting in the, um, in the field. And unfortunately, we've got a, a character um i trying to remember what his name was um very very interesting william and william basically comes over and basically calls her an incubus which is a uh it's all for all outsiders so anyone outside of the community is basically the incubus and uh so her mother louise comes over and says you know um you know what was going on and he says and she says to her um or faith says to her mother yeah, you know, he broke my paints and he's broken this, and he's broken that and he was chasing me around. And, you know, William is a, as they call a man child, he's a grown man, but he's mentally, he's just, you know, not, um, not all there, unfortunately. So, of course, we also get the obligatory sex scene um, with Jim and Martha because they're married, so they're having some business. And uh, that night, Jim searches in the barn after hearing a strange noise from outside. He goes to um, into the barn and he hears that his tractor is running. As he turns on the light, there's a red painted sign, Incubus, right in front of it. So it's like, oh, okay. So someone is basically making it very clear that he is part of the Incubus. Don't really understand that one, but he is. That's fine. So he paints over it. And then, of course, he'd, he'd already turned off the, uh, the, um, um, the tractor. And of course, the tractor then starts up again. And then we see it being put into gear. We can't see exactly what's putting it into gear. And it unfortunately crushes him. Um, so, you know, Martha wakes up, goes into the barn and finds that her husband is now murdered. Um, now, it's interesting how it says here, when a mysterious figure runs him over with his tractor, um, we don't see that. We don't see that at all. So we've got no clear indication because all we see is the lever being pulled down as if it's being activated by some unseen force. So it basically says that this is an alleged to be a mechanical accident, which when you see the movie, yeah, it does. It is a mechanical accident because we can see 
that there was no hand making the, the tractor get into gear and go. So we then go to, we find ourselves in another scene where friends Lana and Vicky are heading to Martha's um, farm to visit her after Jim's funeral. When Williams go, when William, so William is the man child. <laughs> He's also part of the Hittites and he is very weird. If you've ever seen the movie, the original movie, The Hills Have Eyes, he's the main character in The Hills Have Eyes. Um, also, for a lesser one, if you happen to have seen um, Weird Science, he's one of the guys that, that comes into the house with the motorcycles and creates a whole lot of <laughs> damage. He's got no hair. He's, he's completely bald. So that's that character. I can't tell you what other ones he's been in, but I know he's been in uh, the, the original Hills Have Eyes. So when William goes to the house at night to search for his shoe, now <laughs> he'd gone into the... It, he was dared by a group of kids to go into the to the barn and touch the tractor. And of course, as he goes into the barn um, and the kids are saying, go and, go and touch it, there's a pool of blood. And one of the kids says, you know, I dare you to touch the blood. So as he does do that, you know, you see Martha coming into the barn because she hears a noise because one of the windows has been pried open. So she goes in to find out what's going on. William happens to um, be the last person out. He actually scurries through um, a chicken coop and unfortunately loses his shoe. When he goes back to the Hittites, the, uh, his father says, you know, do you know how much shoes cost? And he goes, well, you know, I, I, I stepped in some mud when I pulled my foot out, the shoe was you know, gone. And he goes, well, it's interesting how that other shoe doesn't have any mud on it. So if it takes all night, you are going to go and find that shoe. So he's like, uh, okay. So off he goes. So then he's basically, he knows exactly where it is. So when he finds the shoe, he um, he's walking past the house where the bedroom light goes on and we get to see the 1981 boobs and butt sort of scene. Um, not overly attractive. Or, I mean, I, overly attractive as far as boobs go i mean i love boobs don't get me wrong but um yeah <laughs> anyway an interesting little little snippet about this is that she pulls her negligee down to get into bed with no underwear on in the next scene as she's turning the light off we see she's wearing underwear i mean that's only a small little thing that you could actually possibly think of but that's what i saw and i'm like ah, movie goof you didn't you didn't have underwear on to begin with so what the hell so anyway it's neither here nor there, put it that way. So as, um, you know, Martha is getting into bed, uh, William happens to see sitting on the, the ledge of the window um, what you would actually keep your uh, a knife in. So if you've got a, a really sharp knife, you keep it in like a sheath. And he sees that there's a sheath just sitting on the window ledge and he picks it up. And as he picks it up, we don't, we unknown, we don't know who it is, plunges a knife into the back of William, killing him. So I was like, okay, there we go. So, Martha tells the men, so the Hittites arrive at the house. Ernest Borgnine is the um, the elder, and he wants to go and talk to Martha. And he says, listen, we're looking for the boy child, William. And she says, I, I haven't seen him. And, of course, her, his father, Isaiah, says, listen, you know, if you please, if you find him, please bring him back. And Martha's like, yeah, absolutely. So before she gets the chance to shut the door, um, uh, Isaiah says to her, listen, um, you know, this house you know, it belongs to my son. And he's, she's like, yeah, your son, you exiled her, you know, your son from the community. So exactly why do you think that I would possibly be interested in anything you've got to say? And he says, well, I think that there's a good chance that he would want it in, you know, kept in the family. So we're willing to offer you a good price, a very good price. And she goes, would you like my answer now? 
And he goes, yes. And of course, she then slams the door on him. Then he immediately goes, you know, may you be damned in hell. So I was like, okay. So now she's being accused of being the incubus. Now, the incubus obviously is an outsider, but he also says to the other gentleman that he's with, who's looking for for his son, that even if she knew the truth, there is no way in hell that she would ever be able to speak it. So I was like, oh. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. That's sort of like uh, that's sort of like it throws a, a monkey into the to the wrench uh, wrench into the into the works, I guess. So Lana enters the barn the next day looking for something inside in a in a toolbox from the tractor, but all the doors and windows suddenly close. Now this is where we've got we're getting to see Lana, who is Sharon Stone. Now she's deathly afraid of spiders, which I think we all are um, to to a certain degree. I mean, I know that if a spider comes into my house it's it's death they're not going it's it's going to be killed so we're basically seeing that she's looking for something at the bequest of martha and um because martha doesn't want to go into the um into the barn quite rightly because that's where her husband died so you know um lana goes in there to basically find out exactly what you know what's in this toolbox she's looking for of course the door shuts to the barn so she pushes the door back open and she then you know secures it with um, a rock and goes back inside and of course then suddenly the door shuts and slams and locks again so then all the windows in the in the barn are locking and of course we get to see a hooded figure that basically springs up behind lana um scaring her out of her wits you know getting her to fall down the stairs and as she's running towards the uh, the open door now of the barn, we see that William is now hanging there from being killed, obviously as a warning or just the fact that he's been killed and hung there. So, of course, um, the police clean up uh, the mess as the sheriff advises the three friends to leave town. So they're like, you, know, you need to get out of here. Something severely going on. And Martha's like, well, no. This is my home and these these two are my friends and we're not going anywhere. And it's like, well, it's pretty clear that the Hittites don't want you here. So they are desperately trying to get you out. They are they're definitely going to try and do something to scare the hell out of you. And she's like, well, so, you know, what do you want me to do? And he's like, just leave. Just I'll come back and I'll pack, you know, get your stuff together, pack your stuff. Get, I'll come back and I'll, I'll drive you out of the community. And she's like, yeah. And of course, Martha is very, very stubborn. And quite rightly so. No one's going to drive you out of your house. But unfortunately, this is the way that it sort of goes. So they decide to stay. Um, now, I'm just seeing Martha decides to stay where she is and buys a gun for protection. Uh, yeah, she doesn't know how to use this gun. And it's a pretty big hand cannon. And of course, she gives it to one of the other girls. Now, the other girl, um, not Lana, Vicky. And <laughs> Vicky uses the gun and basically it knocks her off her feet the first time that she fires the gun. And then, of course, then Martha takes it and uh, there's a paint can sitting on a fence. And she absolutely obliterates this um uh, this paint can so it's like it's pretty clear that martha sort of like knows what she's doing she can figure out her way around a gun still you know severely i wouldn't be going for that one anyway um so multiple events follow such as okay this is a really interesting one this is what actually got me interested in this movie so we get to see that martha goes into the bath and she's going to relax and she has got this place steamed up something fierce there's steam everywhere and she basically says to the girls i'm going to go take a bath and you know so she goes into into the bath and the door's left ajar so she can get out and uh she hears a noise and she sort of like looks out from where the bath is and you know there, there's no there's nobody there but we see a hooded figure with a sack and then all of a sudden we see a rather large snake 
going along the side of the bath and it starts to go into the bath. Now, Wes Craven um, would then go on after this movie and after a couple more movies, he would actually do the in between the legs scene of Nightmare on Elm Street with Nancy. So he was really into this sort of in between the, the legs sort of thing. So originally we've got that Martha has got her feet to the right-hand side of the bath. So she's not spread legged right at this moment. And we see that there is a snake coming into the bath. It goes into the water and uh, she's, she's like, she's got a, a face towel over her face and she lifts it up and she feels that there's something against her leg. And she's you know, reaching down to try and find it. And she brings up the soap and she's like, you know, you touch me like that again, I'll kill you. So puts the soap on her um, little thing and just basically just sitting there having a, laying there having a bath. But at this, at this moment, she's gone from this way to this way so now her, her legs are open and we see a snake pops up in between her legs to martha's absolute horror now would anyone suddenly just you know obviously you, you're grabbing a hold of the the snake would you get up out of the bath and go to get something to kill it with no you'd probably get up out of the bath slam the door and say there is a fucking snake in the bath but <laughs> this is how this movie is a little bit over the top she runs out gets a fire poker goes back into the room and beats the shit out of the snake with the fire poker it's at this stage that lana um uh sharon stone's character so like comes in and goes what's going on and she's like you know there was a snake in the bathtub and she goes ah oh, well i'm gonna go to bed and goes, <laughs> goes to bed and it's like um what exactly how is it that you just suddenly you're not concerned about your friend you're going to bed another scene that i actually found very interesting now um i don't we don't have um tarantulas in australia that i know of certainly i've never seen one but we have these big ass spiders called huntsmans and they are big motherfuckers now in one of the scenes, Sharon Stone's character, Lana, is getting into bed and she's laying there and she's got a cover over her and she looks directly above her and there is a, there is a uh, tarantula walking along the ceiling. Now, would you just lay there and look at it and go, hmm, okay, I'll just leave it, let it, leave it go. Or would you get up and go get fly spray or something and try to spray the shit out of it? <laughs> That's exactly what I would do myself. But of course, unfortunately, um, for some unknown reason, which I don't, I just don't understand, um, she just basically looks up and goes, "Oh, yeah, the spider." Anyway, I'll go back. I'll go to sleep. It's like what? <laughs> I wouldn't do that at all. But you know, so this is the whole thing. Is like you know, Lana is just really, she's not overly concerned about what's going on in the house. So it's like okay. So, yeah, I just, this is, I don't understand this one at all. Um, so she does kill the snake with a fire poker. I don't think I'd actually have enough time to get up out of the bath, put a bathrobe on, go get a fire poker, come back and beat the shit out of a snake. I just, yeah, whatever. So um, John, uh, Martha's brother-in-law, is, he's unwilling to engage to, uh, he's unwillingly engaged to Melissa his cousin. Now, obviously in the Hittite community, you know, you marry your cousin, your first cousin, whatever it is, I don't know. Um, but he's very, he's not interested about um, being married to, to Melissa. Melissa's, she, you know, like, I think John's very much, he wants to get into bed with her. Like, I want to get into bed with you and do the business. And she's like, no, we have to wait until we're married. And of course, at one stage, you know, he basically forces himself on her. Like he really, you know, and he's kissing her very passionately as if I want, I want, I want, give me, give me, give me. And she basically runs away. So um, 
John feels attracted to Vicky. Now he sees Vicky um, in the um, supermarket or in the little you know, grocery store. And John is eventually sent away from the home and the community when he retaliates against his father who begins beating him. So um, Isaiah, which is um, Ernest Borgnine's character, he being the elder, he's allowed to beat the shit out of everyone. And he decides he wants to beat the shit out of his son because um he gets back to the community and finds that um, John has been very heavy handed with Melissa. And so he decides that he's going to go take him into the barn, get a switch and beat him, you know? And of course, when he's starting to do it, he hits him twice. Third time he goes to get it, John grabs his arm and says, no, no more. And of course, this is when the father says, you know, you've been you know, seduced by the incubus and you are now exiled from the community. Get the fuck out basically. And so John basically goes into, um, into, into town on a, in a car. And this is where he meets up with Vicky. So they meet outside of the out of a cinema and she she said, let's John drive her car, giving him a sense of freedom. So, you know, he says, Oh, I've basically been exiled from the community. And she's like, Oh, that's okay. I'll drive you back. And it's like, hang on a minute, drive me back to where? Like I can't go anywhere. Like I've completely gone, gone away from the community. You want to send me back to the community? Like, what the hell? So it's like, so she gets into the into the car. Now the car is a Mustang. I agree. Beautiful car, absolutely. So they're driving along and they're having a great time in the car. And um, this is when Vicky says, uh, well, the car stops, you know, because he's basically almost crashes into a tree. And he says to Vicky, you know, how do, how do we get it to go again? And she says, well, what's your hurry? And of course, this is when they start making out in the car. It's at this moment that M Melissa, for some unknown reason, sort of like almost senses that John's having a bit of extramarital fun. And you see her grab a knife from the uh, kitchen drawer and runs off to um, basically confront him. So we don't see what we really don't see whether it's her or not. But um, at one stage, John and Vicky are getting very heavy handed. And uh, Vicky's car has a soft top roof. And of course, we see a knife come through the um, through the, the roof of the car. And it's at that moment that John sort of like protects Vicky, jumps in the way, and he gets stabbed through the back. And of course, he cops it a couple more times and he's killed. It's then Vicky decides that she's going to try and get away from what's going on. And we suddenly see that there is gasoline being poured all over the car. So as she starts the car and tries to drive away, the assailant, whoever it is, we don't know yet, lights the uh, lights the, the fuel and the fuel starts following Vicky. Now she crashes into, well, does, she doesn't crash into a tree, but she basically reverses into the back of a tree and then tries to get moving. And of course, her car is now bogged in, in mud. So as she's trying to get the car moving, she finally does. And of course, this is when the fire is now you know, engulfing the back of the car. Vicky suddenly goes, oh no, and the whole car explodes. Now, my question to you guys is, if your car is on fire, would you try to drive away or would you just stop the car, get out and run and let the car explode and you are safe? My theory, exactly. I would be sitting there going, fuck this. I am running my ass off. You can keep the car. But the car explodes, and of course, she is killed. So I was like, okay, there we go. It's where it's all happening. So 
now I'm just trying to see where we are at. So Lana has a nightmare in which a pair of hands hold her head. This is the scene. This is the scene that actually made me really, really want to see this movie. So Lana is now this is Sharon Stone's character. She's laying on the bed, but she's not she's not covered. She's just laying there as if it's a very, very hot night. And we see these really weird pair of hands come behind her head and basically say to her in a very seductive voice, Lana, open your mouth open wider, open wider. And of course she opens up her mouth wide and she's looking up and directly above her is a spider that plunges directly, comes down and basically straight into her mouth. She then immediately you know, wakes up coughing and spluttering because she's in the living room. She's fallen asleep and uh, Martha's there looking after her and she's saying, oh my God, you know, um, there was a spider in my mouth. So when so she's like, listen, how about... Um, you know, we have a midnight snack. We're waiting for Vicky to come home. Let's have a midnight snack. So uh, Lana goes, okay, well, I'll, I'll go and make it. That's fine. I just want to, you know, forget about this nightmare and go and go and make it. So she goes in the, into the refrigerator and she gets some milk and she starts pouring it to find that it is, the milk is full of blood. Um, so this is where it's basically this, the warnings are getting worse and worse. Um, now this movie will definitely take a left-hand turn. And unfortunately we're getting towards the end of this, this podcast here on YouTube, but it is, uh, it's a very, very strange sort of scenario. So, you know, Lana basically says, um, you know, what's going on. This person is trying to find me. He creeps in where, whenever he wants. And Martha says, listen, I'm going to go and close all the windows because all the windows are now open in the house. Don't know why it is. We didn't see them open. So she starts closing the windows and she says to Lana, I'm going to go into the bedroom to close the window. Just hold on a second. And as she goes to go into her bedroom, there's a scarecrow that's tied uh, in her room with a flower that was buried with Jim. When Martha hurries to Jim's grave, she finds his body has been dug up. And in his place, there's a whole lot of white chickens that come flying out of the, um, out of the grave. So I was like, okay. So you see Martha hightailing it back to the house. Interesting. She's hightailing it back to the house at dusk and she arrives at complete darkness. Okay. Now we've also had intercutting with this. We've also had Faith, um, the young girl popping over to basically give her, give Martha eggs and to, to, you know, give her comfort and this and that. And uh, there's going to be a twist in this movie. Definitely going to be a twist. So um, Martha also discovers it was Louisa and Faith who committed the murders as they attacked Melissa. Martha is chased back to her home when she engages in a quick battle with Faith. This is where this movie takes a strange turn. And I think this is where um, Wes Craven went, I wonder what I'm going to be doing. I don't know what to do. Here's an idea. Let's throw in this sort of like scenario. And I was very much along the lines of, hmm, don't know whether this was going to work or not. It was interesting, but there's like two little twists at the end. The last twist is just, I don't, still don't understand it. So during the struggle, because you know, she's battling with, with Faith, um, during the struggle, Faith's shirt is ripped open, revealing her to be a man who has been in love with Martha. Yes. Now, it's interesting because at, at, at that stage, you know, she rips the shirt open and she sees that you know, uh, Faith is flat chested and she's got hair. She's a she's a man um, and she's been dressed as a as a as a girl and she talks as a girl. And uh, her mother, Louisa, basically says it's not your fault that you were born half and half. So it's like, OK, that's interesting. And she's like, you know, I've tried so, so good to be a girl mama. 
and she says well listen you can't have faith now you know uh you know faith you have to get rid of faith uh sorry you have to get rid of martha and also for the fact that you know martha is also carrying jim's baby so you're never going to have um you're ne never going to have martha so this is when basically faith makes the decision to go and kill martha we don't really know why um i guess it's the scenario of if i, if I can't have you nobody can so this is where we are so as they're they're fighting um Faith basically breaks into the house and Martha fires a gun directly into Faith and we see her go flying at the, out the window thinking now that she's been shot and killed. Of course, then there's an ex a huge explosion for the front door and now we've got Louisa with a shotgun. Fortunately, she too is shot um, when, because um, at one stage Martha has got the gun and, she, and she's firing to get the people away from the front door and basically just throws the gun um under the sofa and basically it's like oh that's it we finished everything i've i've killed um you know faith she's dead and whoever's trying to break into the house well they they know that i've got a gun so when um you know louisa comes in with a shotgun we find that lana sharon stone's character is the one that saves the day by shooting and killing louisa and it's like oh okay so they're both dead then all of a sudden we see a jump scare where suddenly faith has reappeared and she is lunging towards um, Martha with a knife. And suddenly we see from behind, Melissa comes up and kills her and stabs her in the back. Isaiah turns up and tells them that the messenger of the incubus is now dead. So we are now assuming that the incubus all along has been faith. She's the one that has killed these people. She's the one that's doing all this stuff between Louisa and faith. Those two are the ones that are creating the drama. There we've got it. We've got no other option, but we know that this is the incubus. So the day after Lana leaves Martha to go back to LA, and we don't even didn't even see Vicky's um, funeral, but we know that Vicky's dead. When Martha enters her home, a ghost of Jim warns her about the incubus. Now, this is where this movie takes a great left-hand turn to Albuquerque, as Bugs Bunny would say, because the film ends immediately after the real incubus bursts through the floors. Uh, the floor of the house and pulls Martha down below. We have a small little synopsis of someone saying that no one will believe that there is an incubus, but it weaves its way into society and community. The movie then starts running credits and that is the end of the movie. Now, my theory is this. What the fuck was the incubus? Was it Martha? Was it Faith? The, this thing that bursts through the, the floor, we don't, I mean, it looks like a, a demon that comes through and grabs Martha and then the movie goes in reverse and drags her into, I don't know, hell. No idea. But suddenly it's, it's all gone. It's all done. It's all finished. And we still don't know. So this is why I think that Wes Craven had this uh, scenario of like, what do I do? What am I trying to tell here? I, the story itself is interesting in such as it shows you the different communities you know, between, you know, the, the new centuries of, you know, cars and technology to the old ways of horse buggy and, you know, basically no technology. But the Incubus really, it just, it's, it's the Incubus was originally all outsiders. And now we're saying that, and of course, because Louisa and Faith were not part of the Hittite community, they were outsiders too. On an opposing farm to Martha, they are actually assumed that they are, they are the Incubus as well. Um but it just doesn't seem to be, it's sort of like it's all over the place. Really not 100% sure exactly where it was, where he was, where Wes Craven was actually heading with this movie. But it was enough to make me interested in it because I saw the original um, trailer and thought this was awesome. 
seeing this movie twice, I'm not going to be interested in watching the movie again. Um, look, out of a scale of zero to five buckets of blood, zero being how do I get the last two hours of my life back, which is actually the hundred minutes of my life back, to five, it was a perfect movie and I'd watch it all over again. Uh, man, I would give this maybe a three. Um, and that's being very, very, very conservative. A three simply because maybe for nudity. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. That's all I could possibly think of. Um, and seeing Sharon Stone in her very first movie, I don't know. I don't even know what she did after this. I mean, I know she did the um, um, God, the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Total Recall, but I don't know whether that was directly after this movie because I know that, that was she was a supporting role in that one as well, but I'm not 100% sure. So really, I'm not, not really, yeah, but I'd give it maybe a three. Now, we're going to go down and have a look at if there are any, um, There's there's got to be some trivia. Oh, here we go. We've got some trivia now because we always love to do a bit of trivia. How many got 29 items of trivia? So if you want to go into IMDb, you can certainly look for the 29 items. I'm going to be doing maybe two or three, maybe maybe four, depending on what I can see. So the, the snake sequence in the bathtub was revised by director Wes Craven after this film with A Nightmare on Elm Street, where the reptile instead was replaced with a fingered knife hand of Freddy Krueger. Yes. So it makes you wonder what, what Wes Craven was really interested in doing when it came to Between the Legs. <laughs> um, Sharon Stone had an acting coach present on the set throughout the shooting of this film. She needed more acting classes. <laughs> she this Obviously, this coach really needed to help her out because this was, yeah, not good. Um, okay, the idea for the snake in the bathtub came to Wes Craven in a dream. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. Ernest Borgnine had to be taken to hospital to be treated for a head injury following a mishap involving a horse and buggy. Moreover, Borgnine returned to the set to continue acting in the film three days later. Well done. Um, and just one more. Sharon Stone's first big speaking role in a theatrical film. There we go. Um, so this was her very, very first time she ever... Um, Okay, the name of the ice of the isolated rural farm where the farmers and Hittites lived and worked was our blessing. Yeah, I know that one. Um, oh, and and Marin Jensen used a body double for some of her nude scenes. Well, duh, kind of figured that one. That was very very easy to see. <laughs> anyway, look, thank you very much um, for coming to see me at the very very first YouTube of um, the Horror Crypt podcast. As I said, I'm only going to do this once a month. So hopefully I haven't scared you off You know, at this moment to say I would never watch this again. Um, you'll always still get the regular podcast and the Horror Crypt podcast on all the listening platforms that you listen to. But I just thought I'd just give a bit of a different scenario and just do this you know, on YouTube. Once again, thank you very much to Create Your Change for the Horror Crypt logo that was done for me and all these awesome pictures down there. Um, every now and again, because I'll be doing maybe a movie that I don't have direct access to, um, probably in through here, there'll be the actual, um, you know, um, picture itself, so you can see what I'm actually talking about. But uh, yeah, that a bit. That's about wraps it up for this week. So once again, thank you very much for coming to visit me at YouTube at the very first Horror Crypt podcast. And as I always say, and I'll say it this time, I will creep you later. Thank you.